0: The fact that we have both a Jewish and a universal new year reflects the fact that we are called to be both set apart from and a part of humanity. The broad beginning of Divrei Yamim, which then soon segues into the particularism of the Israelite family and ultimately turns to the Davidic dynasty, thus reveals the complexity of Jewish identity itself. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 283, The Genealogy of Chronicles. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In 2020, several days before Rosh Hashanah, I sat on the south lawn of the White House, where a largely Jewish audience had gathered to celebrate the signing of the Abraham Accords. It was there, as I described in my column and commentary, that I heard a very interesting invocation of a pasuk, a biblical verse. Standing on the Truman balcony, the Prime Minister of Israel spoke of how war had marked his life, how a comrade had died in his arms, how his brother Yoni had perished in Entebbe, how his parents never ceased to mourn for their eldest son. He described how strength and peace can go together and that it is precisely a strong Jewish state that makes peace possible. Then he suddenly cited sacred scripture. Quote, King David expressed this basic truth thousands of years ago in our eternal capital of Jerusalem. His prayer immortalized in the book of Psalms in the Bible echoes from our glorious past and guides us toward a brilliant future. Adonai oz la amoyitain, Adonai varech et Amova shalom. May God give strength to his people. May God bless his people with peace, End quote. The verse, in other words, speaks about the strength and independence of Israel, as well as its bond to others and its aspiration for peace with others. David, he was saying, believed that strength and peace go hand in hand. And it is this joining of independence and connection to others that we can find in another way in a biblical book that is all about the descendants of David, but a book which begins by focusing on Israel's connections to others beyond itself. The book of Chronicles, or Divrei HaYamim, was written at the beginning of the Second Temple era, the time of the return from Babylon to the Holy Land. Many of its stories parallel those from Samuel and the book of Kings, but, as scholars note, whereas the book of Kings describes the rise and fall of the northern kingdom of Israel, the book of Chronicles focuses first and foremost on David's descendants for it is meant to provide a history for the returning Jews of the southern kingdom of Judah, which had always been ruled by the Davidic dynasty. It is all the more striking, therefore, that as the book opens with the genealogy of the people of Israel, it takes pains to begin with a period long before. 1 Chronicles verse 1 begins as follows. Adam, Sheth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalel, Yered, Hanoch, Mitzushelach, Lamech, Noach, Shem, Cham, and Japheth, the sons of Japheth, Gomer and Magog, and Madai, and Yavan, and Tubal, and Meshach, and Tiras, and the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, and Riphath, and Togarmah, and the sons of Yavan, Elishan and Tarshish, Kitim, and Dodanim, the sons of Ham, Cush, and Mitzrayim, Put, and Canaan, and the sons of Cush, Sheva, and Chavila, and Savta, and Rama and Savtacha, and the sons of Rama, Sheba and Dedan, and Cush begat Nimrod, he began to be mighty upon the earth. Here, in other words, we have the generations of all humanity beginning with Adam and then beginning again with Noah. The various generations of Noah are described, and then, with verse 28, we begin another, more particularistic family, though still a large and extended one. The sons of Abraham, Isaac and Ishmael. These are their generations. The firstborn of Ishmael, Navioth, then Kedar, then Avdiel, and Mibsam. Mishma and Duma, Masah, and Tema. Yetur Nafish, and Kedma. These are the sons of Ishmael. Now the sons of Keturah, Abraham's concubine. She bore Zimran, and Yokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua. And the sons of Yokshan, Sheba, and Dedan, and the sons of Midian, Epha and Ephar and Hanoch, and Avida, and Elda'ah. All these are the sons of Keturah. What is being described here is the larger Abrahamic family. Not only Isaac and his descendants, but also Ishmael, Abraham's oldest child, born to Hagar. And also the descendants of Keturah, the children Abraham had after the passing of Sarah. We are further told not only about Jacob, but of all of Isaac's descendants. The Verse 34, And Abraham begat Isaac, the sons of Isaac, Esau, and Israel, the sons of Esau, Eliphaz, Reuel, and Yeush and Ya'alam, and Korah. Only then, in chapter 2, do we turn to the people of Israel. These are the sons of Israel, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda, Yisachar, and Zavulan, Dan, Yosef, and Benjamin, Naphtali, God, and Asher, the sons of Yehuda, Er, and Onan, and Shelah, which three were born unto him of the daughter of Shua the Canaanite. And Ere, the firstborn of Judah, was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he slew him. And Tamar, his daughter-in-law, bore him Peretz and Zerach. All the sons of Judah were five, the sons of Peretz, Hezron and Hamul, and the sons of Zerach, Zimri and Eitan, and Haman and Kalkol and Dara, five of them in all. Note how among the sons of Israel it is Judah with which the genealogy begins. Judah is not the oldest, but he is chosen for political leadership, rather than Reuven the actual firstborn. This is emphasized again explicitly in chapter 5, verse 2. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. But the birthright was Joseph's. What this means is that Joseph is treated as the firstborn by being bequeathed what in Hebrew is called pishnayim, a double portion. His two children, Menashe and Ephraim, each received tribal territories in the Holy Land, and very large ones. But it will be Judah in whom the political future of Israel will be vested it will be through Judah's descendant David that Israelite independence and strength will be made manifest. Thus, even Judah's genealogy continues first with the descendants of Peretz, though that is not Judah's oldest child, because Peretz is the ancestor of David. Thus, Chronicles begins with a more universal lineage before focusing on Israel and ultimately David. To read the opening of the book of Chronicles is to ponder why Scripture would take pains to review some of the larger more extended families of Genesis, that have already been described to us by the Torah. Why, in a part of the Bible purposed on preparing the Jews for the Second Temple, would the sacred text go out of its way to describe the larger family of Abraham, and indeed the origins of humanity, when these details are already known to all, and Genesis has already delineated these details for all of us? The answer, perhaps, is that precisely in a book predicated on a particularistic purpose, telling the Jews their story, what has brought them to that moment, impressing upon them their sacred mission and destiny. Precisely at this point, the Bible begins by stressing that Jews also see themselves as linked to others, as members of humanity, and as linked specifically to those connected to the legacy of Abraham. At the White House, Netanyahu concluded his Abraham Accord remarks by reflecting that, quote, this week is Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and what a blessing we bring to this New Year, a blessing of friendship, a blessing of hope, a blessing of peace, end quote. To note Rosh Hashanah in the context of peace was important and apt because more than any other sacred Jewish day, it reflects universal themes. It is a moment when Jews ponder the various layers of connections that they have to the larger world. On the first day of Rosh Hashanah, Jews around the world read from the Torah about the separation of Ishmael from a heartbroken Abraham and the story of the angel of the Almighty saving Ishmael in the desert. On one of their holiest days, the Jews' focus not only on Isaac, but also on the Almighty's concern for Isaac's elder brother. This indicates how the Jewish people, no matter how persecuted, always made manifest the bond between them and other descendants of Abraham, as well as the bond between them and the rest of humanity, thereby highlighting how they yearned ultimately for a moment, not when all nations would become Jews, but rather when all would celebrate the significance of Abraham's mission and amity among all would be achieved. It is fascinating, therefore, that the liturgy of Rosh Hashanah, of what is often called the Jewish New Year, often has so little to do with Jews. Descriptions are given of God as creator and ruler of all existence, of humanity standing before him in judgment, of the mortality of mankind and the eternal nature of God. The reason for this is, as I believe we have previously discussed, that Rosh Hashanah is not the Jewish New Year at all. In fact, the Jewish calendar marks two separate New Year's. With Nisan and Passover in the spring, we commemorate the Exodus and the birth of the Jewish people. This is actually the Jewish New Year. Six months later, on what is colloquially called Rosh Hashanah, we commemorate the creation of the universe and mark how on that day, every year, the world stands in judgment. And therefore, the liturgy largely focuses not on Israel, but all mankind, much as the Torah reading focuses to a great extent on the larger family of Abraham. Like the opening of Chronicles, The rituals and texts of Rosh Hashanah reflect a balance of profound particularism and broad universalism, speaking at different moments of chosenness, connections between descendants of Abraham, and connections between all members of humanity. On Rosh Hashanah, Jews pray as Jews, but we mark on that day among other themes God's connection to the larger world. And just as the book of Chronicles begins with the ancestor of humanity, so too we intone on Rosh Hashanah. You, God, remembered as well Noah in love when you brought the waters of the flood upon the earth. Therefore, the memory of the ancestor of us all comes before you today. Both the opening of Chronicles and the Jewish calendar thus reveals a dialectic that lies at the heart of Jewish identity. The fact that we have both a Jewish and a universal new year reflects the fact that we are called to be both set apart from and a part of humanity. The broad beginning of Divrei Yamim, which then soon segues into the particularism of the Israelite family and ultimately turns to the Davidic dynasty, thus reveals the complexity of Jewish identity itself. David is the embodiment of Jewish strength and of Israelite reliance on God for that strength. But the book begins by also emphasizing the Israelite connection to those beyond Israel itself, thereby embodying the verse cited from David, May God give strength to his people and may he bless that people with peace. It was several days after the ceremony at the White House that I took part in Rosh Hashanah services, wherein I read, on behalf of the congregation, from the Torah, of God's salvation of Ishmael, Abraham's oldest son. For the first time, the theme struck by the text, the Jewish connection to others that also revere the legacy of Abraham, struck me, not as abstract aspiration, but something that, in a very small way, has suddenly been hinted to in our time. And then, as the Torah was returned to the Ark, a millennia old verse was sung, sanctified by the dreams of Jewish generations, yet, in the moment, endowed with renewed relevance. As I later reflected in commentary, it was a reminder for me that even in the midst of everyday caustic politics and debates, we still live in an age of wonder of which many of our ancestors could only have dreamed as well as the fact that the Jewish approach to the world is complex. That the story of Divrei Hayamim, literally the tale of days, is one that is continuing onward, and it is one in which we have reason to hope for more wonders yet to come. This is Mayer Soloveitchek, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.